Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. We thank you, gracious God, for gathering us here today. May these words fill our hearts with joy and peace and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Got a little confession to make. I am a true crime junkie. I love true crime stories. Any of y'all like true crime stuff? Yeah, we, we've got some folks out there. I, I listen to podcasts about true crime. I, I actually prefer, some people like the ones of mysteries that aren't solved. I like the ones that already are, you know, to, so I know those people aren't still out there. Um, you know, there are books out there, true crime. Uh, there are documentaries, tons and tons of documentaries. But I got to tell you, my favorite, and actually mine and my wife's favorite kind of show to watch, is true crime dramas. They're like, it's not a documentary because it's actually actors and actresses acting out the story of what happened. And it's based on true events. And so, like, we, we've watched one called Inventing Anna. And that was about this girl who, who showed up in New York and made herself out to be a New York socialite and fooled all kinds of people. And so she would stay in hotels and stuff and, and be like, oh, I'll pay you later. And eventually racked up all owed money to all kinds of people. And, and it just turned south from there. And then there was the dropout. The dropout is about a, a woman named Elizabeth Holmes who dropped out of Stanford University to invent this device by her company Theranos that would be in Walgreens all over the world and all you'd have to do is with a drop of blood, it would be able to diagnose thousands and thousands of problems. Only problem was, she never made that machine, but she did raise billions of dollars to do it. Then there, there was the one that, that we enjoyed um, called A Girl from Plainville. That was about... Uh, an 18-year-old girl who was texting back and forth with her boyfriend and encouraged him to commit suicide, which he did. And the one we've been watching most recently called Candy, that is on Hulu. And Candy is about the axe murdering. Is that right? A, mur a woman was murdered by an axe. A sweet, innocent homemaker was brutally murdered by a sweet, innocent homemaker. Now, as we watch these somewhat disturbing shows from time to time, eventually, Stacy will say to me, what do they look like in real life? And so I'll get out my iPad and I'll, you know, search the names and find out. But the pictures always come with the article. And you know what the article has in it? The entire story. And so, you know what I do? I read the entire story. And so we might be on episode one or two, and I know how it's all going to end up. I know who did it. I know whether or not they were guilty or innocent. I know how long they've been sentenced to prison, whether or not they're still in prison. I find out the whole story before we even get into the whole show. Because I want to know how it ends. Now, some people are like, why would you do that? Why would you ruin it? Well, you know what? You might be the same kind of people that actually record ball games and know who won before you watch the ball game. Any of y'all? Some people actually will read the last chapter of a book before they get started to see how it ends. 
There are some people who become like Sherlock Holmes when Christmas rolls around, finding all the clues so they'll know what they're getting for Christmas before Christmas. And then, of course, there are people that become private investigators around their birthday. If there's any sniff of a surprise party coming, they'll be looking at text messages and emails and like putting trackers on people's cars and doing all kinds of stuff because they don't want that surprise. But why would you do that? Why would you want to know the end, how it's going to turn out before the whole story gets into it? Well, I'll tell you. Because people do wonder, if you already know how the story ends, why, why keep watching? It's because of this. Because sometimes the end's not what's most important. It's the journey. Even though I know how the show ends, I still want to know how they get to that point. Right? How the events unfold. What happens in the meantime. Because just knowing the ending doesn't tell the whole story, does it? Well, which is a good thing, because in today's second reading, guess what we've got? We've got the end. It's in Revelation. Actually, there's still one more chapter after this, but it's the very end of Revelation. And I'm going to read it to you, the, a part of it to you again, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first, earth, for the first heaven and the first, first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Everything is, once again, perfect. That's the end of the story. Where total restoration, total peace, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. What a wonderful ending, right? But you know what? It's not just the ending. It's also the beginning. I'm going to tell you the whole story of the Bible in about a minute. Y'all ready? God made the world. And when everything had been made, he looked at what he had created and said it was not just good, very good. It was very good. Why? The Garden of Eden, it was perfect, right? Everything was perfect. Everything was in peace and harmony. There was no sin. There was no crying, no pain, no sadness, no death. And then what happened? People messed it up. People messed it up. And then God punished them, the people came back to God, and the, and the relationship was better, and then they messed it up, and God punished them, and the people came back to God, and then the people messed up, and God punished them, and the people came back to God, and the people messed up, and God sent Jesus to take on the punishment for all of humanity, and the relationship was forever Restored, breaking the cycle that was over and over and over and over again. And then we fast forward to the end where the new heaven and the new earth, where God comes to dwell with the people, where there's no more pain, no crying, no more death. 
the entire story of the Bible is the restoration of what was at the beginning. And, and the journey along the way is the most important part. It's not the beginning. It's not the end. It's the journey along the way. And that, my friends, is the story that you and I are still on. We are part of that journey. The, 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 the story of God and humanity didn't end when the Bible ended. In fact, the last part hasn't even happened yet. We are on that journey. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to, to usher in, to help restore all of creation to what it once was. That's what we're here to do. We are here to make the world, to bring back that perfection, to bring back a place with no pain, no crying, and no tears. So how are we going to do that? What do we do to do that? Well, I think it comes up in our gospel reading. Where Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so I want you to imagine this. Imagine a place... Where there is no pain, where there's no illness, where there's no suffering, where there's no hunger, where there's no war, where everyone is rejoicing and filled with joy, a place where there is no sadness, where there is only forgiveness and peace and love. Imagine that. Now. Imagine what we can do to get there. And the way we get there is through love. We are called to love one another. And that means that we love the people who love us. We love our family. We love our friends. We love the, the, uh, everybody on the street. However, it also means the people that we struggle to love. Maybe the people that don't love us. The people who are different from where we are. The people who don't vote like us. They don't talk like us. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. But we're still called to love them too. We, right now, we are so into this cancel culture where if somebody messes up, they're done. We kick them out. We cast them aside. That's not what love is. That's not what's going to bring the kingdom of God here. That's not a place where there's no pain and no crying. Because when we show love, we love the people that are hard to love. And we love the people that are easy to love. We love everybody. There, there's no asterisk there that says, accept those people. No. It's accept those people. You see, my friends, we are called to bring the kingdom of God, to work to restore peace to all of humanity. And in order to do that, we have to be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. We have to show love and grace and mercy, the same love and grace and mercy that's been shown to us and is shown to us through Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection broke the cycle of sin and death forever. And it is now our responsibility to bring in a place where there is nothing but peace, nothing but love, nothing but joy. Isn't that a vision that we can all grasp hold of? Isn't that a place where we all want to see? Love one another and make it a reality.